invite the Holy Spirit now. Father, we thank you now for this time. We sense that you are here by the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we are here now. We've already declared that we are desperate for you. We've already declared that we need you. We've already declared, Lord, that we realize that you are Emmanuel, the Lord with us. We already declared, God, that you are our everything, that no matter what, for you told us that we could, without you, we could do nothing. For you said in you all things are possible through, through him that loved us. And so, Father, we thank you now for this moment. Sanctify our hearts as prepared ground. Our minds to understand your word, our eyes that we might see, our ears that we might hear, our hearts that we might receive. Holy Spirit, you are the spokesman today. I am simply the representative. Speak, Lord. And after he has spoken, let the church just say amen. In Jesus' name. good to be in the house of the Lord once again. Amen. In this place of power, this place of grace, this grace, this place of purpose. Holy Spirit, we rely on you to be all that we can be without you. Today I'm going to begin uh, a teaching that is a series of, of teachings on the Holy Spirit, his work, his purpose, who he is, why he was given, what he does in the world and what he does in the life of the believer. And as I said, it will be a series of teachings, so I won't focus on all of it, the totality of the Holy Spirit in any one sermon, so it would, it would be for you to make the intentional effort to hear all, because with all that getting, get an understanding, but let hear the conclusion of the matter, amen? So today we'll begin our lessons. I will be also teaching, these are following these up with further teaching on Tuesday nights as well to help further that along. We did start this past Tuesday uh, in, in our work on the Holy Spirit, uh, and we'll continue that, but, but even proceed forward. Amen? So I'd invite you, because the hour has been far spent, and we, and, and we want to be able to stay uh, on course, because this afternoon, we do have an obligation to go and to be uh, supportive to Pastor Barry Dixon of Calvary Family Church uh, for its celebration of his eight-year pastoral anniversary there and that's at three o'clock so we want to get you out of here in time 
so that you can go ahead and get, get just some vittles. You don't have to get uh, the full, full scope of it. You don't have to get your, your first and your second plate. Just start with your first, wait till after the service, and then get your seconds. Amen? Because, you know, if you get first and second about halfway through the, the, the devotional time of the service, you're already slipping into an afternoon nap. So we don't want you to do that, and we want to get you out of time. I'm going to invite you to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. Uh, there's, there's <clears throat> excuse me, two verses we want to fo focus on there. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. I want to point out the fact that before Jesus says this in verse four, four, 16 and 17, in verse 15, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, it's important to point that out because what he was trying to do is help us understand because his very next statement after that is going to be an explanation of what it will take or how can I, because if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. Then he, begin, then he goes into telling us how we are able to keep his commandments because he says, I'm going to send you some help. Uh, and depending on the translation you're reading today, you may be reading my translation that I'm, I'm using today will be, uh, and what I'll be projecting up is the New King James Version. But if you are using the, the King James Version, you'll find the word comforter, or, and, or, and, I, and, and, and the translation we're using today, you'll find the word helper, both of which are translations. Now understand that when it comes to translating, because the Bible, the, the New Testament was written in Greek, and therefore, uh, in some part of some, some, some div, uh, variation of Latin, and so therefore, there's never a, uh, when you translate from one, one language to another, there's usually, I shouldn't say never, there's usually not a direct uh, correlation from word to word, so you have to then understand that's how you can get one translator using the word comforter and another translator using the word helper because there, there's a total understanding that's trying to be brought about. But helper, I think, fits us today because he says, you shall keep my commandments if you love me, and then he says, and I'm going to give you a helper to help you with that. Amen? So here we go uh, in chapter 14 verse 16 and he says and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper or comforter that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you I'll read that again. He says, I will pray the Father. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving you now. But he said, but I'm going to pray, pray the Father. He will send you another helper, another comforter. And he says, and he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will, and he will be in you. So I want to share with you or speak to you using the title this, 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 this afternoon of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. It is essential to understand this because uh, the Holy Spirit, if I may uh, share this with you, this is, okay, you, you, you do it, Isaiah, go ahead. I would click forward and he would click back and he's clicking forward, but this is, this is it, we're going to get it together, Amen. So the, the Holy Spirit 
Understand this. After salvation, the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that God has given to mankind. After giving Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the Holy Spirit, after God gave his only begotten son, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Yeshua, the Messiah, he gave the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift after salvation. However, it can be, he can be the most neglected and or misinterpreted or misrepresented gift after salvation. It's important to understand that, and, and, and I've shared this with you, I said this Tuesday night, and I'll share it again. The Lord is, I, for the last few weeks, I've been under a, a, a great sense of conviction from the, from the Holy Spirit because the Lord has been showing me that it is the subject of the Holy Spirit, as I look back in all of my teaching over the last 21 years of preaching and 15 years of pastoring, that the subject of the Holy Spirit has been the, one of the most, if not the most neglected subject of all subjects. One reason for that is because the Holy Spirit, all, when, we, when you begin teaching on the Holy Spirit, there's always controversy because there's always these ideologies uh, that become theologies that then are determining what people understand about the Holy Spirit. And so for me, I had stayed away from it, but the Lord has brought me and snatched me up and shook me and said, listen, this is the greatest gift that I've given after salvation. Why is it on the back burner of your teaching? Boy, I just wept like a baby, and every time I think about it, I start again, and let me move on because I'm getting ready to start now. But the presence of the Holy Spirit, an essential, this presence of the Holy Spirit is an essential element, essential part of this journey in this life for every born-again believer. Let's look back at what it says here. Jesus says, uh, and we're going to pull from this some things that Jesus says in here. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper or comforter that he may abide with you forever at the Holy the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he, will, he dwells with you and he will be in you. There's a few things that Jesus says in here about the Holy Spirit that I want to highlight and pull out for you. First and foremost, he says the Holy Spirit is a helper or a comforter. Here's the reality that I find because I would assume that because so many of, of those that are professing Christians struggle with depression and struggle with, with being happy or struggle with having joy, that I would, I would suggest that the Holy Spirit is, is the neglected in their life. Because if he's supposed to be a helper and a comforter, then why are you not comforted? The reality is if he is a comforter or a helper and you know he says, Jesus says he will abide with you, the born again, he will abide with you forever, then you know that he is always with you and therefore you should always be comforted because he is a comforter, he is a helper. The next thing that Jesus says about him, he says he comes from the Father. He says, I'll pray the Father and he will send. Uh, slide down to verse 26. We're still in this 14th chapter of St. John, but look at verse 26. And he says in 26, he says later on after having declared this, he says in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, he makes that clear. The helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. There is something that helps us because he says the Holy Spirit will teach you, but he will bring back to your remembrance the things that he's taught you, that God, that Jesus taught you. Unfortunately, we won't spend enough time in the word of God for the Holy Spirit to have anything to bring back to our remembrance because if it ain't in there, it can't be brought back. Okay, I said this Tuesday night, and, 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 I'll, and I'll share it with you today. Uh, I'm bad. I see people, and I see faces. I always remember faces. But every time I see someone, when I look at them, if they look like a certain person, I give them a name before I even find out their name. So when I do find their name, when they do tell me, I have to unlearn the name in my head. So you look like a Jennifer, but, but you tell me your name is Stephanie, so I have to unlearn Jennifer. But every time I see her, I say, uh-uh. But there are also people that I'm also, because I'm already bad with names like that, when I see someone who knows me and I don't know them, I have to, I've had to learn to be willing to let them out know that I just don't know. So what will happen is because I'll be someone and say, hey, Pastor Martin. When they say that, I know they know me. So I turn and say, hey, hey, man. My wife has gotten good, thank God for her, because she knows if I say, hey, man, or hey, sis, how? She know I have no idea who they are. So she'll step in and say, how you doing? I'm his wife, Miss Lady Tony. Hey, what's your name? John. Hey, John, man, come here, get in here. Get in for some. Come on in, John, man. How you been? How your family been? But notice that if I don't have their name in me, it cannot be brought back to me. See, if I don't have truth in me, the Holy Spirit cannot bring it back to my remembrance, and he can't teach me something that I don't have. Okay, wait a second. If you go to school tomorrow and you don't have a textbook and you're there to learn, you cannot learn because you don't have the information that you're supposed to be learning. So God has given us a textbook. And there's no way for the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, to teach us without our textbook. So hopefully you came today with your textbook. So he says he's from the Father, and he also in there says he's going to teach us, but he also says he abides with us. See, abide means to, to, to remain. We just sung... Emmanuel, the Lord with us. Abide with means to stay with. To stay with. He says, so the Holy Spirit, he's going to abide with you or stay with you. He also says he's the spirit of truth. Because here's the thing. John, the great revelator, told us, he says, now you have to be, you have to try the spirits to see if they're from God. Because what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he said the Holy Spirit will not, will not speak of himself. He will only speak of the things that I have said. So here's the thing, sometimes you hear a voice and what it's telling you to do, you think it's a very spiritual moment but it's not the spirit of truth because he is not speaking the truth. And Jesus tells us that he is the spirit of truth. Therefore, if what you are hearing is against the word, it ain't the spirit of truth. 
Oh, preach, pastor. Yes, I'm trying my best. Because watch this now. We hear things. Be honest. You hear stuff all the time, don't you? You ought to just slap her face. And even though you feel spiritual at the moment, it ain't the, it ain't the right spirit. Amen? Amen? So watch this. The spirit of truth. So he speaks to truth. And he never speaks anything that is contrary to the word of God. So if you feel that it's something the spirit is telling us, I feel the spirit telling me to. If it's not according to the word, it's not the spirit of truth. Amen? All right, let's move on. Here we go. We're in here now, and we're here together. Look at here. The next thing he says, the world cannot receive him. He says the Holy Spirit, this, this precious promise, he says the world cannot receive him. And then he says the world does not know him. So the world cannot receive him. The world cannot know him. Then he says, for he dwells with you. So he says he's, he's, he's already with you because Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is in the world to con convict the world of sin. So he's around. He's always around. But Jesus says this, he's with those that are believers. He's with them. But then he says something. He says, but he won't just be with you. He's soon going to be in you. So how you understand this? If I have, if I go and uh, to get something to eat this afternoon, I guess I shouldn't talk about food if you're already starting to get hungry, but, but I'm going to say it anyway. So you go get you a, a plate, a whole spread, good meat couple sides you have that you smell it you sense it it's with you but it's not yet because see as long as it's with you it can't it doesn't affect you see you smell it yes Ooh, hmm. I can't wait but you'll never get the benefits of what it is until it is in you. So Jesus says, yeah, I'm with you right now, and I've been helping you. And he said, the Holy Spirit has been here with us, and I've been with you. He's been with you. He said, but pretty soon, he won't just be with you. He's going to get inside of you. Because in order to do what he needs to do, he can't do it outside of you. Go to the doctor. The doctor says, uh, so Mr. Martin, uh, he's a nice doctor. I like him. He's cool. He's real cool because when I go in, he give me a pound. I say, hey, doctor, how you doing? Doing good, Mr. Martin. How are you? I say, good. He said, Mr. Martin, you know, you, you need to, uh, uh, you know, you're carrying a few extra pounds. He did it nicely. I said, Okay. So he says, you need to focus more on, you know, limit your red meat once a week, and then you need to focus on more fruit 
and vegetables. He says, well, it'll help you. I said, okay. I go home, I look in the refrigerator, and there's some grapes and apples and some broccoli and some corn, all that stuff. And I said, boy, okay, I have to do a better job of getting that in me. So then I share that with my wife. She cooks something and has some them vegetables on the plate. And, and I see the meat, and I, I, I go right in on that. And then I'm looking at the vegetables, and then it dawns on me. He said that these can't just be with me. They've got to get in me. I got, I got to, I'm going to have to eat this broccoli. I'm going to have to get this inside of me, amen, <laughs> to make things better. So Jesus helps us understand that he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you, amen. But here's the thing. There's something that he says that I must deal with because there's two things he states that warrant our immediate attention. The world cannot receive him. So let's deal with that. He says, verse, in verse 17, he says, whom the world cannot receive. And then he also says, he dwells with you and he shall be in you. I want to deal with those, but I'm going to deal with them in order. I'm going to start with whom the world cannot receive. Whom the world cannot receive. So if, in order for us to deal with that, we must first determine who is the world. Who is Jesus talking about? Who is the world? Who is the world that Jesus is referring to? The world is simply this. The world is the unbelieving, unsaved, unborn again, non-follower of Christ. If we read the scriptures and Jesus is saying the world, the world, he's talking about unbelieving, unsaved, unborn again, non-followers of Christ. It's important because ultimately they're those who are subscribers to the religious uh, order of Christianity. They subscribe to it just like you get a magazine. That if, if I, when you say what box to check, what religion are you, I am a Christian. And so I'm a subscriber, but unfortunately uh, he says that even amidst belief, you must be born again. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Uh, Nicodemus was a religious leader. Watch this now. He was a leader of the Jews, and not only a leader, but he was also a ruler of the Jews. So he was a believer's believer. And so Nicodemus did not want anybody to know that he was going to have this, this private conversation with Jesus. So he comes to him under the cover of night. He comes at nighttime, and he comes to Jesus, and watch what he does. He comes to Jesus, and he says something. You can see this. You can, you can find this in John chapter 3, but I, I don't have time to go there because I need to press on in this. But I want to give you this real quick. John chapter 3, you can find this whole account. But in there, Jesus, he comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, he says, we know. Watch this now. He believes. He believes. He says, we know that you are from God. He believes. He says, we know that you are from God. He says, because no one can do the things you are doing except he be from God. Now watch this now. Nicodemus has just made his confession of belief. He said, we know you are from God because no one can do what you're doing unless they were from God. But watch what Jesus does. 
Jesus says, Nicodemus, thank you for that the accolade because coming from you, it means a lot to me. I mean, you, you're Nicodemus. You're the man. You're the man of men, and you're a big timer, and you come to talk to me. He said, but Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, wait a minute, Jesus, because I came here to talk to you under the darkness because my friends would not approve of this if they knew this, and I've risked everything to come talk to you. I'm paraphrasing. You won't find all of that. Just help me. Just go with me. He says, now in that, he says, I'm coming here to talk to you, and I'm risking everything to do this. He says, but what are you talking about? He says, how can a man be born again when he is old. He said, must I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He said, Jesus said, oh no, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then he said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Wait a minute, Nicodemus. You believe in God, and you also believe that I'm from him. But he says, but you still need to be born again. So the world of, can consist even of those who are confessors, but are not born again. Who are confessors, and notice the terminology I use here, deliberately, who are not followers of Christ. They are confessors of Christ, but not followers of Christ. Jesus never called for confessions. He called for followers. Oh, my God. Pastor, you're digging deep today. Watch what I'm telling you. He said to me, he said to all of us, he says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily and then follow me. He didn't say, I want you to confess who I am. Because here's the truth. And you look this up in James. James says, you do well, you believe. And you do well to do that. He said, the problem is demons believe and tremble. But they're not born again. See, there's somebody here, you believe in Jesus. But you've never been born again. You believe the stories about Jesus because historically he did exist. You believe he was a good man. You believe he did heal sick and raise the dead. But there's one thing missing. He is not Lord in your life. And therefore you have not been born again. Oh my goodness. Who are you to tell me that? I didn't point at you. I'm going to look up. Because Nicodemus was a religious leader, a Jew of Jews, and he confesses his belief that Jesus is from God. And still Jesus says, but Nicodemus, thank you for that, but you better get born again. So who is the world? The world of the unborn again. And this terminology out here that you can be saved but not born again is not, is not true. Because being born again 
represents you being born of the spirit. Here's how this works. The reason he told Nicodemus, you must be born again, because without being born again, you cannot place a claim on heaven. I'm going to help you with this real quick. Uh, all of us here, all of us here, uh, you are, if you've been born in the United States, by being born of the United States, you are a citizen of the United States. So, <laughs> see, the thing is, as a citizen of the United States, you are always entitled to come home. Here's what happened. As we were preparing for the cruise, uh, we were pre preparing for the cruise, and my mom, she was trying to get her birth certificate because you, to travel in a, in a, so, a closed-loop uh, cruise where you're starting in the United States and coming back, you don't have to have a passport. You just have to have a birth certificate. When we called down to Tennessee to get her birth certificate, they said they couldn't find it, and come to find out her name was misspelled on the birth certificate, and we went through all that and got that. But in the process of trying to figure out if we take my mom to Florida and, and we, we're going on to the cruise, are we going to have to leave her at the port? So I went online and I looked at the page of Homeland Security. And here's what I read. It says, no citizen of the United States will be denied re-entry back into the United States. <laughs> oh, watch this now. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, he said, because unless you've been born of the Spirit, you cannot go home with me. Because you cannot make a claim on a place that you're not born of. So no citizen of heaven will be denied entry into their heavenly place. Oh, God. Yes, sir. Ah, my God, boy, that gets me happy. He said, it said, no citizen of the United States will be denied entry back into the United States. I said, well, mama can go then. <laughs> Whether we get it or not, we, all we need to do is prove she's from here. So I gathered up some information, gathered up some, gathered up some evidence. Got my brother Jackie's birth certificate. Got my sister Sharice's birth certificate had her marriage license, divorce career, had all this stuff. Because what it says is all you have to do is prove or show that you are a citizen and we will not deny you entrance. See, the thing is, unless you are able to show you have entry, proof, you will not be allowed in. Oh, my God. So the next word he deals with here, he says, ah. Jesus said that his followers, not confessors, not believers, but his followers were not of the world. <laughs> uh, would you turn with me real quick? John chapter 14. Uh, no, 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 no. 17 and 14. John 17 we're going to start at verse 14. Flip it around. Okay? John chapter 17. Now understand, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17 are all one session with Jesus. 
Let's understand this now. So before he was arrested that night, this is the night that he had communion with them. This is the night he shared with them what was going to happen and told them all the things they needed to know. So chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17 of John is all one session with Jesus. It's all one continuous teaching. You got that? Now, so in 14, so, so I want you to understand this because these chapters are connected. It's not just a random verse. Is Jesus still talking in the same vein that we've been moving in, all right? Look at verse 14. John chapter 17, verse 14. Let's, let's, let's read it real quick. Let me get there. Just give me a moment, please, if you would. He says, I've given you, given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray, watch this now, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They, verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Hmm. They being the followers, he's talking to, he's praying now, Jesus is praying. He's praying for the disciples or the followers that are there. Disciple because a disciple is one who follows. He's praying for the disciples, but he also goes on to say, he says, I'm not just praying for these. I'm praying for all those that will believe because of them. So we understand he's talking about his followers of that day. And he's also talking about all those who will believe after. Slide down to verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Wait a second. That world comes out again. He has referenced his followers, and he's referenced another group, the world. So the followers of Christ are not of the world, but they are in the world. Look at chapter 15, verse 19. Remember, same sermon, same teaching. I'm almost done, so please stay with me. Because notice this now, I'm going to show you something. Because... Many times there are those who are confessors who are so worldly that there's no difference between them and the world. Okay, help me, Holy Ghost. Because Jesus intended that his disciples would be in the world but not of the world. Look here in chapter 15, verse 19. So Jesus also said that if his followers are of the world, 
they would love his own. The world would love his own. Watch this now. If I'm a follower of Christ and the world loves me, I have to ask my, if, if, if I'm a confessor of Christ and the world loves me, I got to ask myself something because Jesus said that his followers would not be loved of the world. Look at chapter 15, verse 19. Here's what Jesus had to say about the matter. He says, listen, uh, let me pull this up for you. Go to the next one for me, Isaiah. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See, wait a minute. We've been trying. Christianity and Christians are struggling trying to get the world to love us, and our master said it wouldn't love us. Our gospel artists want to team up with all of the secular singers, and, and we, we're on the same stage serving one God. That ain't what Jesus taught. That's why most people are not truly Christians, because they don't follow Christ, and they don't follow his teaching, because he said the world would hate you. If you exhibit Christ in your life, the world will not love it. In order for the world to accept you, you always have to compromise. They do not compromise. You have to compromise. They do not compromise. You have to. Because Jesus said it. Because he said it is truth. And if you say to me, I don't care what you say, Pastor. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. I know, born again, people that gravitate to me, I don't know what it is about me. Jesus said, if you are of the world, the world love is on. You got to ask yourself, if, ever, if the world loves you so much, you might be of them. There it is. It's on the screen. In every translation you look up, you'll find this. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But he said, but yet, because you're not of the world, but I've chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's the truth. That's the truth. From the word of God. From the master himself. If you don't hear the master then you may not be of the master. Here's what the master said. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And another's voice they will not hear. This is Jesus' voice. Saying that if you are of the world, the love loves his own. Jesus, help us now. Now let's deal with this last one. And I'm done. He says, he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. Let me, just, let me just make this clear to you so that this establishes bedrock in our message right now. Every, bo every born-again believer 
truly born-again believer, follower or born-again follower of Christ, receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's get that clear. Every true born-again follower of Christ receives the Spirit of Holy, receive the Holy Spirit. Let me teach you that real quick. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Turn there real quick. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. This is, this, is, this is proven to you that every born-again believer receives the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy, the Holy Spirit indwelling. Because Jesus promised, he says, he won't just be with you, he will be. He won't just be with you, he will be. He won't just be with you, he will be. Okay, so the reason he made that clear because he was saying, hey, listen, this is your helper. I'm giving him to you because he will help you. All right? In order, in order to be, if you're born again, why would the Lord born you again and not give you help with your journey? Okay? So let's, let's, let's be clear because when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, there are those that say, well, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you if you don't speak in tongues and, and you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. And what they're really talking about is another matter that I'll deal with later on when we deal with the Holy Spirit. But as I told you, I'm not going to deal with everything today. I just need to deal with, deal with this, right? So I'm showing you right now my statement here today that every born again truly born again follower of Christ because the thing is you cannot be born again and not follow Christ you just can't do it because anybody anyone I should say can practice religion anyone can practice religion religion by definition here's a simple definition of religion religion is a set of beliefs that have practices that follow those beliefs. You got that? Religion is any, any, any belief that has a set of practices that follow those beliefs. You can make a religion out of red. Oh, mighty red. We, gonna, we pray to you three times a day. We bow before you, mighty red. Red, red, because religion is any, any belief with a set of practices that follow the belief. So if I believe red is some, some special mystical thing that I believe, then I can build a religion around my belief. So the truth of the matter is you cannot be born again because you cannot be, you cannot be brought into relationship, the, to, to, the, to the, the terminology born again speaks of birth. Here's how this works. This is, my, this is my birth mother. This is my natural mother right here, lady in the pink hat. Wave your hand, mother. So by birth, we have relationship. Having been born of her, I have a relationship with her. The reason Jesus says, Nicodemus, you have to be born again because God did not come to further the practice of religion. He came to establish relationship. Because when you have been born of the Spirit, now you have a relationship with the Spirit, a relationship with God, the sender of the Spirit. So, so you cannot be born again and not be a follower of Christ. If you are not following Christ, 
You have to ask yourself, am I born again? But look at this. Him you also trusted, talking about Jesus, this is Paul. He says, in him who you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, how you can be saved, after you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He says, when you heard the truth that you needed to be saved, and you believe that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior, and you received that, he says, then you were sealed. The Holy Spirit was given to you. I had a friend of mine, a Pentecostal friend of mine, um, who was trying to help me to understand that uh, I had the Holy Spirit, but I needed to get the Holy Ghost. I said, brother, you better be careful. We're still friends. We've been friends for years now. That's because the Bible says there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Then it says there's only one spirit. So Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit is talking about the same spirit. Yeah, but I mean, you, you just, you don't have it. You don't have enough. You, I mean, you just, just you got to get the Holy Ghost. Said, brother, help, help yourself to this passage and just let us, if we can't agree, agree to disagree. Who is the guarantee of your inheritance? If you're reading the, New, the, the King James, it says, who is the earnest? Any, any homeowners here? Just by show of hands, Don't, not, not pride, just showing. I, just want, I just, want, just want to know if you understand this process. If all your hands went up, I wouldn't explain this. But since all your hands didn't go up, I'm going to explain this. When you're buying a home, when you buy a home, you put what's called earnest money down. Here's our realtor. Sister Melody, wave your hand. She's our realtor here. You put earnest money down. The earnest is what you put down as a guarantee of what you're purchasing. If you back out, then you lose your earnest, right? So, so you put your earnest down. The earnest is put down for the future closing. The earnest is put down for your future closing because it is in expectation of one day soon you will close and be able to claim your home. The Holy Spirit is the earnest money God put down on you that he says, once Jesus comes back to receive you, those mansions in my father's house, you will be able to claim your home with the earnest. Oh, my God. I have put earnest in you. See, by having the Holy Spirit in me, I know one day I've got a home and I'm going to close on it one day. When Jesus, the mighty closer, comes home, when he comes back to get me, he's going to take me to the place prepared for me. Ernest, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, watch this, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. See, the purchased possession. He said, this is your earnest. Hold on to this because this is your guarantee. 
guarantee until Jesus comes back and redeems that which he purchased with his blood. Ah, Jesus. Okay, I need to run. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to prove this last part to you again. Man, I'm feeling good. <sighs> See, that's a shout. That's a shout. Oh, my goodness. One day, one day, the purchased possession will be redeemed. <sighs> Second Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 21 and verse 22. You got that? <sighs> Here we go. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us is God. The one that has done this is God. Because remember, Jesus says, I will, I will pray to the Father. He will send to you the Holy Spirit, right? He says, now he who has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Look at verse 20. Who also has sealed us and given us the the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He says he has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. He sealed us. It, it, uh, when, you, when, you, when you go to purchase meat, you'll find that there's a USDA stamp you're supposed to be looking for. It is the stamp of approval. It's a stamp that says, hey, this has been approved. This has been scrutinized and has been determined to be acceptable. All right? So he says God has put his seal on us as our guarantee. See, the Holy Spirit is given to every born-again follower of Christ. But hold on. Let me share this with you. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 9. Please li listen up. I'm done after this. I'm done after this. But don't miss this part. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Look what it says. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if indeed or if truly the spirit of God dwells in you. Now anyone that does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Anyone that does not have the Holy Spirit living in them is not Jesus. You don't belong to him. That's what Paul says. He says, he says, you haven't been born again. You haven't been, you haven't been brought into relationship because he says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ living in him, he's not born again. Now let me help you with this and I'm done. Most people who are religious practicers, they feel as though they do have the presence of the spirit in them because they have a conscience. Here's the, the problem. God has given every human being a conscience. It is a conscience. See, that's why when someone does a heinous crime, 
the, the judge will oftentimes re, re, refer to them as being inhumane or not being human because every human being has a conscience. The non-believer has a conscience. That conscience is that part of you that says, you know, that wasn't right. It's a conscience in us that gives us a sense of right and wrong. It gives us a sense, uh, uh, watch this, a little child, watch this now, a little child who is doing something he should not be doing, he will go and hide in the other room. He doesn't even know about Jesus. He doesn't know about, he doesn't, you haven't had a chance to teach him right and wrong, but he knows in his conscience that something's wrong about what he does. Uh, notice this, you'll notice that he'll also, he's never quiet, but when he's doing something he shouldn't be doing, he gets very quiet. You say, hey, what are you doing in there? Because you're awfully quiet. You go in there, he's marked up on the walls. He, he didn't pull the pamper off and took what was in there and put it and, and wrote on it. He, you say, my goodness, you knew something was wrong. So every man has a conscience, but we're not talking about conscience. Because here's the thing. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin. You go back to the 15th chapter, he says the Holy Spirit who will convict the world of sin. See, there's a difference between conscience and conviction. See, you know certain things you shouldn't do, and your conscience bothers you. So be you believe that's God, but that's your conscience. The Holy Spirit doesn't work with your conscience. He convicts. So if you can sin and have sin in your life, and you confess to be Christ, and there is no conviction in you, the Spirit is not there. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't deal with conscience. He deals with the conviction. And that conviction then works on your conscience. So there, you, you may be here. All this, all this time you said, hey, I'm, I'm born again. But you've been in sin for years. And no conviction. Because the difference between conscience and conviction is the same difference between sorrowful and sorry. I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to help you today. You can be sorrowful but not sorry. Here's how this works. I am sorrowful. I can cry and lay out. And I'm sorry. And I wish I would have done it. But I'm not sorry. Because I go do it again. See, you call because you can come and cry about it and be sorrowful. But you're not sorry. Because sorrowful is a work of your conscience. Sorry is a work of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit convicts that heart and you become sorry, you wouldn't want to ever do it again.
you can live with sin in your life, if you can live and be okay with sin in your life, you must ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit in me? Stand to your feet.